Hey, welcome to the first episode of We Believe You, advocacy, resources, and healing around interpersonal trauma. The goal of this podcast is to talk about healing and resources around sexual assault, relationship violence, and stalking. I think I speak for all of us in the studio when I say we are so excited to be here talking with you all. It seems a little weird to say that we're excited to talk about interpersonal trauma, but we're all advocates and we do that every day. So we are really excited to start this podcast off. This podcast has actually been a passion project for our team for about a year now, and we can't wait to talk about all things advocacy. In this episode, we're going to be introducing you to the advocacy team, going over some definitions and talking about our philosophy. So pretty much we want you to know who we are and what we do. But you may be asking yourself, okay, so what is this podcast about? The info that we share in each podcast will explore the different topics that we frequently discuss one-on-one with trauma survivors. Each episode will take a look at different ways people are impacted by trauma and the options available to help sort out some pretty confusing times in a person's life. We also know that you may not be ready or able to meet with us in our office, so we're taking to the airwaves. Our hope is that you can listen in the privacy of your own home, while at the gym, cooking a meal, or in your car. While the three of us work at a place called the Women and Gender Advocacy Center at Colorado State University, many of our students and staff aren't actually located in Fort Collins. That doesn't mean your need for resources and support goes down. Maybe this podcast can be a way to start getting some of the help that you might need. So each of us are advocates who provide confidential support for primary and secondary survivors of all forms of interpersonal violence. Included in this term, interpersonal violence, is sexual assault, stalking, relationship violence, sexual harassment, and child sexual abuse and incest. Advocacy in this realm might include a trauma-informed approach to helping students navigate the on and off campus reporting structures, working with professors to communicate about academic performance, offering a support group, providing crisis intervention, and even skill building with survivors. Also, please be aware that each of our podcasts will deal with difficult material and that we're giving a blanket trigger warning. While listening, if you find yourself needing support and you are affiliated with CSU, you can call our hotline at 970-492-4242. If you're not affiliated with CSU, the RAIN hotline is an awesome resource. And that number is 1-800-656-4673. RAIN is the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, and they do amazing work on this topic as well. And their website is www.rainn.org. Now that you have some concept about what we do, it can be helpful to understand that this podcast will answer some common questions we hear about surviving interpersonal violence. That might include questions like, do you struggle with sleep issues? Or are you wondering about reporting options? Are you a parent who wants to better support your child after trauma? Or what do you do when you can't pay attention in class? Or how can you be more comfortable with intimacy after an assault? And what are some ways in which society has cultivated what we call a rape supportive culture? These are just some of the questions we hope to answer in our series. Each episode will be 25 to 30 minutes of exploration around any specific topic. While we have a running list of potential topics that we are pretty excited about sharing with you, we would also love to hear your ideas and topics of what you think might be helpful. At the end of this episode, we'll let you know the various ways of contacting us with your ideas and feedback. So now that Casey and Jessica have talked a little bit about the basics of advocacy, I want to talk about some terms and language that may come up during some of our podcasts. So when we're talking about interpersonal violence, the language survivor and victim are often used interchangeably. And we oftentimes get the question, well, 
what terms should I use? It's important to know that an individual experiencing violence gets to pick the language that we want. There's no right or wrong answer. There are many reasons why a person may choose one term over another. Victim may imply that a person feels helpless or trapped, which many individuals experience when facing interpersonal violence. We work with individuals that actually prefer the term victim because they did not choose what happened to them. The term survivor may imply mobility, action, resiliency, and recognizes that they have agency over their own healing process. And actually, a recent study conducted showed that the term an individual uses, either victim or survivor, strongly affects their consciousness around the trauma they experienced. And certain systems may also use particular language. Yep. And sometimes we even work with survivors who prefer not to use either term. We let every person that we work with decide which language they'd like to use, and then we mirror that. The police department and court system use the term victim, while advocacy groups and organizations oftentimes use the term survivor. All three of us are going to be using the terms victim and survivor interchangeably because we really want individuals to be able to determine which one is right for them. And we also want to help individuals in hearing that language before they're interacting with particular systems. So earlier, Jessica used the term primary survivor and secondary survivor. And I just want to go over those terms. So a primary survivor is the person who has directly experienced the trauma. And a secondary survivor is anyone who is connected to that primary survivor. That could be a friend, a family member, or anyone close to the survivor. As you know, our podcasts are going to be focused on interpersonal violence. So let's break down a few more definitions, starting with sexual assault. This is an act where any person performing the act has not received consent from the other person. Sexual assault and rape are often used interchangeably, but sex assault is actually an umbrella term that includes rape. It can also include other acts that are non-consensual. What makes rape different is that it specifically is an act of an intrusion or penetration of a body without consent. The Colorado definition of rape is actually a progressive one because it's inclusive of the LGBTQ community. And it recognizes that any gender can be a victim. Other states' definitions may vary, and you can find that on RAIN.org. So when we talk about relationship violence, we talk about it as a pattern of abusive behavior and coercion by a partner. And this can be either somebody a person is currently dating or somebody they've dated in the past. And this type of abuse in an intimate relationship can be physical, sexual, emotional, verbal, financial, or even identity-based in nature. And so this is important to note, as often we hear that unless the abuse is physical, many survivors won't recognize their partner's behavior as abusive or violent. But psychological and emotional abuse can be just as traumatic, if not more so, than physical violence. Oftentimes, we also see abusers isolate a survivor from their friends and family as a means of maintaining power and control over their partner. This is one of the many reasons that survivors have a hard time ending an abusive relationship. So the last definition we'll talk about today is stalking. And when we mention stalking as a form of interpersonal violence, we're referring to when somebody repeatedly follows or harasses someone else, causing that person to feel fear or emotional distress. Sometimes this shows up as cyber stalking, which we're certainly seeing more of with the increase in the use of social media. Oftentimes, stalking is connected with other forms of interpersonal violence, and we see it happening lots of times in the context of romantic relationships. So that about covers the basic definitions and what this podcast is hoping to accomplish. I think it's time that we take a minute to introduce ourselves. (laughs) The three of us make up the advocacy team of the Women and Gender Advocacy Center, otherwise known as the WGAC. 
While we are three of seven full-time staff members in our office, our other staff are our director and prevention team. In each one of these episodes, you may hear from all three of us or just one. Additionally, we anticipate introducing you to some other helpful human beings of CSU. They might appear as guests in various episodes, but we want you to have a chance to get to know us, our personalities, and how we approach our work. So who are we? Well, my name is Jessica, and I joined the WGAC team back in the summer of 2017. I graduated with my master's degree in social work and did my undergrad in human development and family studies with a minor in women's studies. Currently, I'm working towards a licensure as a licensed clinical social worker, hoping to eventually become a therapist. And I've got a passion for helping people heal from trauma, really allowing them to go on to lead fulfilling lives. I continue to be inspired every single day by the strength and the resiliency of the survivors that we work with when they're provided with the right resources and support to process their experiences. Knowing that I hold several dominant identities, including being cisgendered, white, middle class, I spend a good amount of time learning from and about others who have had life experiences and identities that are different from my own. Outside of my time as an advocate, you'll often find me getting lost somewhere in the midst of nature and wishing I had a dog. I also do copious amounts of yoga, meditate, journal every day. And this helps me establish a sense of balance in my life while doing this work. I'm Marie. I received my degree in sociology with a double minor in women's studies and ethnic studies from CSU. And I've been connected with the WGC since 2011. I identify as being a queer woman of color and reject the idea that gender is binary. My gender presentation is not confined by societal boxes. I take an intersectional social justice approach to advocacy because for our office and myself personally, social justice and intersectionality are a part of everything we do, not just an afterthought. It's important to me that survivors' experiences and identities are validated. Marginalized identities must be allowed to have a voice and heal in a safe and inclusive space. So fun fact about me, I have eight animals in my household. Fish excluded, of course. <laughs> animals are a huge part of my self-care, along with jamming out to music and spending time with friends and family. And I'm Casey. I've been in the WJC since 2011. My guiding work is intersectional and feminist, which means I believe survivors are the expert of their own experience, and my job is to help support their needs. I'm committed to social change and teach a couple of women's studies courses at the university in the hopes of curbing this culture we've created that supports violence against women and other types of oppression. I believe it's my duty as a person with several dominant identities, I'm white, cis, straight, just to name a few, to learn and seek understanding about experiences that are different than my own. That is how I stay true to anti-oppression work. The boring bio pieces about me are that I have a bachelor's and a master's degree, both with a concentration in women's studies. I'm currently working on a second master's degree in mental health counseling, which I hope to put to use in private practice for interpersonal violence survivors. For fun, I hang out with my awesome kids and ridiculous dogs. I practice balance and self-care by being in nature, gaming, and diving into a good book. So at our center, we have a set of philosophies that guide our work with survivors. These principles are important to us, and we actually want you to know our framework. Hopefully this will give you an understanding of our approach. So one of the WGAC's core philosophies is that we believe feedback is love. And we think that just like love, feedback is a learned skill. So we practice giving and receiving it. It's not always easy and it's always worth it. Feedback really helps us grow personally and professionally and deepens our connection to one another. 
Secondly, we also believe in open doors. We're invested in knowing and understanding one another. So we make a conscious effort to do this on a daily basis. This includes the survivors that we see every day. And a part of providing effective advocacy services is making sure that we truly understand the challenges that survivors are facing, especially for those who may have various identities that are different from our own. Another one of our guiding philosophies in the WGC is that we verb intersectional social justice. We believe that intersectional social justice means taking action and making sure that it's an integral part of everything we do. From advocacy to programming to even how we interact with others within the office and outside of that space. Intersectionality is the way we operate and social justice is our goal. The term intersectionality was actually coined by feminist Kimberly Crenshaw and it acknowledges multiple coexisting marginalized identities and recognizes the dominant power structures such as white supremacy and patriarchy. So the important thing to note is that intersectionality is often confused with simultaneity. Simultaneity is recognizing that all identities, dominant and marginalized, are interacting with one another. So these terms may come up in a later episode of the podcast. The intersectional framework is important because it allows for all individuals' experiences and identities to be recognized and valued. That's right. And through this framework, we model inclusivity and want to be proactive in minimizing harm. In the office, we are constantly asking the questions, what impact might this have? Or who is missing from the conversation? Or how could my own personal lens or identities be shaping my view? These questions are important to be continually asking because again, we want to recognize the experience and identities of all survivors. You might have heard me mention in my bio piece that I believe that survivors are an expert of their own experience. That is also one of our guiding philosophies in the office. It ties directly to what Marie was just talking about. That as advocates, we are mindful it is our job to partner with you and understand your lived experience through all of your identities. To see you as a whole person by approaching each situation openly and without judgment. We can benefit the entire community by listening to the experience of survivors, and that helps us to see trends that may allow us to remove barriers for service for future survivors. Finally, as a center, we remain grounded in and outwardly project a sense of hope, positivity, and optimism. We believe we can create social change in helping to end interpersonal violence. Life doesn't have to be this hard, and that there is support readily available. Whether that support is helping make sadness bearable or providing a space to rage about experiences, we honor and validate the full range of human emotion. And we want to end this, our very first podcast ever, (laughs) with giving you an idea about what the rest of the series is going to entail. So some of the podcasts Casey, Jessica, and I will all be on, just like this one. And then there's going to be other podcasts where it's just going to be one of us. So in one of the episodes, we're all going to be together and talking about recommendations. Each podcast series, a.k.a. each semester, we're going to have a recommendation episode and we're going to be talking about books, TED Talks, websites, movies, and slam poetry pieces that we recommend in helping people heal after trauma. And we really want to focus these resources on things that we found helpful in our own work, as well as focusing on survivor stories. I've been working on two podcasts that I'm really excited about. One is a look at how our bodies react to trauma. Can we make sense of the experience through better understanding about why we react the way we do? Through both research and stories from survivors, I think knowing how our body works can help curb some of the self-doubt and guilt we feel about traumatic experiences. Look for that under the show title, Neurobiology of Trauma. 
And I'm going to be having a podcast coming out that discusses barriers to service. I'll be taking a look at the challenges that survivors face when they're seeking out resources after trauma. And the podcast will be focusing on different identity groups, such as people of color, LGBTQ folks, people with disabilities, men, and several more. And what I really want to do is break down each of these barriers for the different groups and talk about ways that survivors can navigate those systems. The other show I'm working on is an exploration of ideas that survivors might consider when thinking about counseling and if it's the right move for them. We'll explore questions to ask potential providers, what actually happens in therapy, and what are some other experiences survivors have had in their own healing journey through counseling. And I'm currently working on a podcast about radical self-love. Self-love and self-care really is more than just a bubble bath and a cup of tea. It's about creating a lifestyle that supports your ultimate well-being. So I'll be interviewing a friend and a colleague here at CSU, and we'll spend some time talking about the valuable lessons that we've both learned about self-care over the years, particularly those years we've spent doing some challenging work. You may just learn a new idea or two. That's all we have for this episode of We Believe You, Advocacy, Resources, and Healing Around Interpersonal Trauma. Please remember that the WJAC is here to provide services for all CSU students 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. To reach an advocate, you can call 970-492-4242. If you have feedback, thoughts, comments, questions, or want to be interviewed for the podcast, please email wgac at colostate.edu. That's wgac at c-o-l-o-s-t-a-t-e dot e-d-u. For more information about advocacy in the Women and Gender Advocacy Center, go to www.colostate.edu wgac.colostate.edu. You can also find the WGAC on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. A big thank you to Xavier Hadley for creating the music used in this podcast and to our partnership with KCSU here at Colorado State University. For more KCSU content, go to kcsufm.com. Thank you so much for listening.